And I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more. I love that song. The Proclaimers. I'm gonna be uh, Scottish twins. Craig and Charlie, that song hit the charts in 1988. And, uh, you know, they're kind of an interesting mix of country and folk and punk rock. Uh, What a fun song. Now, that song is ultra relevant to the guests that I have on the show today. Um, These guests reached out to me. So a few weeks ago, I put out the episode that uh, was my reaction to the riots and the protests that took place at the Capitol. And one of my listeners that has followed me for a while, but I don't know who he is, he sent me a few messages a few times. He said, uh, Connor, I, I was actually at the protest there in D.C. I'd love to come on and give you my experience and perspective of what happened at the protest. And to be honest, I was like, oh, I don't know if that's an episode all in and of itself, but like, okay. And so I asked him another question. He said, well, yeah, we just finished our walk for peace and we were in DC and just happened to be there at the same time of this Trump rally in the protest. And he said, walk for peace. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Are we walking from the Lincoln Memorial to the Capitol building? Like, what are you talking about? And I said, what do you mean walk for peace? And he says, well, we just finished walking across America. I said, like, you you walked across America? And he said, yeah, we just finished a walk for peace across America and got there on the day of the Trump rally. Quite the irony of that. And I said, "Uh, oh, yeah, let's get you on the show. When can we do this interview? I've got to hear this story. And this conversation that I had with them is so interesting. The takeaways and change in perspective and things that they learned from their experiences literally walking across America. Now, I play this song. And they jokingly, the proclaimers here are like 500 miles and I would walk 500 more to, you know, I'd walk a thousand miles to end up at your door. Well, to put this into context, if you were to start from Los Angeles, Los Angeles and walk 500 miles, you'd be at the Grand Canyon. 491 miles is what Google Maps says. These two gentlemen that are about to be on the show walked from San Francisco to Washington, D.C. Yeah, you heard that right. San Francisco to Washington, D.C. It took them 205 days. They started on June 24th, 2020, and they ended January 13th, 2020. I asked them, where did you sleep? How did you do this? They literally went through Yosemite, hiked through the Colorado Rockies, and then were walking through like Maryland in December. It's wild. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, but the reasons that they did this and the takeaways that they share, I think are beneficial to all of us. So I really hope you enjoy this interview. I really had a good time with this conversation with James Allen and Paul. Enjoy. And uh, maybe I should add in the intro here, don't try this at home. (laughs) Or if you are going to walk across America, maybe you should talk to these two guys first. James, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me today. How are we doing? 
Doing well. Great. Good to be here. Man, you know, I've had a lot of, I've had a few guests that have reached out to me and I'm like, I don't know if I want to have them on the show, to be honest. When you told me your story, I'm like, my listeners have got to hear what you two have been up to. And I'm so excited. I don't even know all the details yet. So I want to ask questions today. We're going to let everyone listen in on this experience that you've had, because I think to say it's unique is an understatement. And so we'll dive into it today, I'm excited. Um, Let's start here. Before we jump into the walk and what you did, let's start with a little bit of your background. Like, tell me how old you are, where you're from, and let's start with you, James. Sure, so I'm 32, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, for most of my life. And what I did prior to the walk was I worked in marketing, specifically as a content writer. Uh, So I worked with a lot of uh, personal brands, influencers on telling their story, helping them get their message um, on point, and I did a lot of consulting. And then on the side, I'd also do catering. I had my own catering gig, so I'd cater like small events, weddings, parties. And uh, then the pandemic hit, and I kind of put that to the side. Events and parties was not the time for 2020. Yes. All right. So you kind of step back a little bit from that. You live in Utah now? I do. I live in Orm. Okay. Very cool. And how did the two of you meet each other? We met at UVU. Okay. Yeah. Years ago. So Utah Valley University, for those of you outside of the state, uh, you go to UVU and where are you from? So I'm from San Francisco. Okay. Born and raised. um, 35. Single ladies. <laughs> there you go. Hey, me too. I think we got a few single guys on here. I, I actually, on a side note, I can look at the analytics of the podcast, and we have about sixty-four percent female listeners. Oh, that's on millennial in the middle. So maybe our odds are a little better than okay. some podcasts. Anyway, all right, go for it, man. That's what I'm talking about. I so I uh, grew up in San Francisco. Um, you know, grew up with um, not really like any kind of interest in walking across the country that never really once came to my mind grew up you know typical kid wanted to be a baseball player when i grew up or a cop or you know firefighter i just had this you know internal drive to want to help you know yeah um so it really took me a long time to figure out my place you know and my purpose um something i've been reading a lot lately um in eckhart toll's book a new earth Okay. which is one of the best books probably I've ever read um, is it's all about developing our purpose and, and really determining what our purpose is. So that took me until I was 28, honestly, to really even know I wanted to teach. Like I had thought about teaching as a teenager okay. uh, and one thing or another had led me away from, from uh, getting into education, whether it was just self-confidence, self-esteem, you know, not thinking I'm good enough, not thinking I'm smart enough. Um, I didn't really get into reading until I was like 16, um, you know, as far as like reading for my own benefit, you know, um, I remember teach. So I, so eventually I got an education, right? I went back to school at 28, got my degree in history education, got a minor in constitutional studies. Awesome. Um, and I taught for a couple of years. I taught, you know, U.S. history, American government, uh, personal, personal finance, uh, with middle school, high school kids, substitute taught for six months. James and I sub- subbed at the same time, just around the Alpine School District and um, a couple outside districts. But, you know, working with kids, it, uh, first of all, it gave me just this wonderful, like, insight. Like, we have one, a, one excellent generation right now, just mm-hmm. very um, insightful, well-read, like, 
amazing, you know, amazing kids, but they're also faced with challenges that we've never seen, uh, sure. you know, in this modern day, you know, dealing with pornography, the phone addictions, you know, just not being able to focus, you know, having just this information overload, you know? Um, and so essentially, um, I don't know if, if I'm going on too much of a tangent here, uh, that's one of the big things that sort of led us to where we, where we began with this walk is the idea of, uh, what, where's my purpose in all of this? Yeah. When there's chaos, when there's rioting, when, when the world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket, what, what am I supposed to be doing? And I think, you know, without even just sort of focusing too much on that, I think part of it is just tuning to what's in the heart, what's in the mind, as far as like, what is something I see myself doing? Who do, or who do I see, see myself being? You know, and sure. I think if we if we can sort of take some time and, and quiet with everything aside, technology aside, people aside, just some some silence alone to just sort of talk to ourselves. Yeah. You know, we'll, those answers will come to us. We'll understand what our purpose is and, and where we're meant to go. Yeah. You know, with life. I, I love that. And, you know, a lot of people when they need to de-stress or kind of have those moments where they have to look inward they go for a walk yes like around the neighborhood maybe a half hour at the max right you guys decide we're gonna walk from sea to shining sea across the united states like that's a little extreme but uh, hey i gotta ask the burning question everyone's probably having right now why what made you say hey let's do this well, it started when Paul and I, Paul was living in Phoenix at the time, okay. um, end of May, we were going to do a road trip. He was going to move to Lehigh, where I was living at the time. We were going to do a road trip from Phoenix to, we went to Laguna Beach, and then from Laguna Beach to San Francisco, where he's from, and then to, to Lehigh. Well, it was on June 2nd when we were driving from Long Beach to San Francisco, and, you know, with the pandemic and everything, everything was closed, and, you know, with what happened to George Floyd, there are these riots going on across the country, and then they're implementing this curfew, and I'm on Instagram here scrolling through, and I'm just seeing all these black pictures. Yeah, you know, remember that Blackout Tuesday, right? And, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, um, what happened to George Floyd was tragic, and it shouldn't have happened. But at the same time, I'm seeing a lot of people complain about our, our police force and saying that we need to fund them. And and I'm just thinking, like, there's got to be a, a different way to look at this. Like, And just by posting a black picture, that might be a nice sentiment, but it's not going to change anything. No one's going to remember a black picture, right? Sure. It almost seems like virtue signaling, in my opinion. And so I thought, you know, instead of complaining about this on social media, there's got to be something more that I can do to make an impact. And so I... Paul, I think Paul had been thinking about doing this long walk. And he's like, dude, what if we do, do a coast-to-coast walk across America for peace, acceptance, and love? And that's how it started. And I said, and I immediately looked at the, <laughs> with him and said, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, instantly. It was like two seconds. He's like, yeah. let's do it, man. So you just decided, on had you done any research? Did you know like how serious this was, how no. long it would take? Anything like that? Not really. My idea of planning is decide and execute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, I mean, we, we had, so, you know, if you back up a few years, I had done a, a long walk, um, a short long walk in Spain. You know, I'd done the community of Santiago. Okay. Uh, just a, a portion of it. So from Astorga, Spain to Santiago de Compostela. Mm-hmm. So it's like a third of it, 183 miles-ish. Okay. 
right? So I had an idea for like, all right, some of the things I needed to do and to get prepped. And we, we, we did, we contacted, um, uh, Katrina's friend, what yeah, was her name? Um, Yosemite. I can't remember. Yeah. She, yeah. she's like a guy, tour guide through the Yosemite area. We met with our friend Lexi who mm-hmm. has been doing through hikes. You know, she's done the PCT or the PCT, the ADT or no, the AT Appalachian trail, Pacific crest trail, and then, uh, the continental divide trail. Yeah. Um, and she's a savage. She's done like over 8,000 miles. Mm-hmm but mostly on trails. And so we didn't actually talk to anyone who had done a pavement coast to coast kind of thing. And so what, so our, basically the first, our both, especially my first pair of shoes got ripped, like tore up. Yeah. Cause I just, I just focused on the shoe, but not the, the, the sole. So come to find out Vibram soles are very important if you're going to be walking on mostly or, or nothing but pavement. You start in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Day one, you walk across the Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. Tell me a little about the beginning part of this trip. Ooh, so, uh, it was my first time walking across the Golden Gate Bridge, so I'm just like in awe. I'm like, this is yeah. so cool. And uh, I think, Paul, you were a little more intense about it. You're like, we got we to gotta keep going. Because I'm like <laughs> wanting to take pictures, videos, and everything like that. Hey, we got a long way to go. Let's go. Hurry but up. We're just like on cloud nine. This is like incredible. We're going to, because we had just announced the walk to our um, network like a couple days before. And so we're getting tons of messages. People reaching out like, this is so cool. And we're just on this high. It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, we're like, man, we're really doing this. This is crazy. I have no idea what to expect, but we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we started with a cold plunge in the ocean, Pacific Ocean. Okay. And I grew up on Santiago uh, in San Francisco, 24th in Santiago. Um, And so we we did a cold plunge right there uh, as Santiago meets Ocean Beach. So it's sort of like poetic Mm -hmm. where we started in San Francisco, you know, where I grew up. And then we end, our target is D.C. and then Virginia Beach where James had served his mission and done door-to-door sales and... You know, yeah. had, he had a lot of connections yeah. on the DC side. So mm-hmm. us going, you know, west to east was like my neck of the woods to James neck of the woods kind of thing. And it's also interesting because San Francisco kind of uh, re- um, resembles this city of peace, mm-hmm. right? Peace, love, kind of the hippie sure. movement, right? And then of course DC being this uh, political capital of the world, you know, and it's just it's ironic that we kind of figured this route the way that. Set, was set up. Yeah, and just to give some context, you started, was it June 20th? June 24th. June 24th. Mm-hmm. All right, so June 24th, 2020, you take off. Now, by the way, we haven't said this yet, but y'all have been home for like a week. Like, this yeah. just finished, right? So, yeah, yeah we're in January now. This uh, The whole trip was... I wrote it down. How long was it? Well, today's what, February 6th, right? Yeah. So 204 days. That's right. what you told me, right? Mm-hmm. It's 205? Two, technically 205 days completely. June 24th to January 13th. Just finished this up a couple weeks ago. So your path that you take, you end up kind of walking along the highway and give me like the first quarter of the ride. When does that high of being on cloud nine on Golden Gate Bridge start to wear off? Well, going through Richmond, California, it was pretty much gone. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, man, we are in the hood. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, we we walked through some uh, some very. We probably walked through well, one of the areas. So I looked up like what what streets not to go on, not okay. to go through in Richmond, because I mean Richmond several years ago, I knew it as the murder capita of at least California. I, I think it was actually the murder per capita capital of the country for a while. And so I, knew, I, I had that in the back of my mind. 
Um, and I knew there was a couple streets we shouldn't walk on. This this one street we walked through was just like really run down, really beat up. There were some nice areas, nice pockets, but like very few people out. We saw some people that were questionable. Um, you know, we definitely walked past a few drug addicts, and and so that. I was like, dude, let's put our phones away, earbuds <laughs> away, like yeah. just really, you know, watch our six kind of thing. And that, I, it was the fear of God definitely in, into me at that moment. Um, so that, you know, like, oh, you know, we're, we're doing this. But yeah. we met, that's where we met. We met Edwin and um, that was the other guy's name. I can't yeah. remember. It's been so long. But we met a couple of really cool guys in like mm-hmm. San Pablo, like mm-hmm. right as we walked through Richmond. Yeah. That was a cool cool experience to sort of start out that was like one of our first mm-hmm. really cool interactions like we met a bunch of cool people the first few days but that experience yeah and the further east we got the terrain started to look a little bit different we started to get more into the desert out of the suburbs and you know more hills and going through canyons and that was kind of a wake-up call that this is not just going to be this stroll through the neighborhood it's going to mm-hmm. this is going to be hard and yeah. we had no idea how hard it would be because then we still had to get through Yosemite and then through Oof. different mountain ranges across the West. Yosemite was brutal. <sighs> yeah, Yosemite so. was like, Yosemite would have been honestly fine if it, if they weren't, I don't want to swear. If, if <laughs> Yosemite <laughs> would have been, it. <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> it, it was just, there was a lot of red tape yeah. going through Yosemite. It was stressful trying to get there yes. at a certain date, Yeah, you know, so we can make it through. So we didn't have to and, direct. Yes, and during COVID, yeah, you know, sure. because there was a because of COVID, it was a, as a half or a quarter capacity, right. whereas typically they would allow like more walk-ins and there'd be more permits to issue. So we kept hearing like, "Oh, you're not going to be able to get through." Like, so we were just like praying for a miracle, mm-hmm. and and did we? By the time we got to Yosemite, our feet were freaking covered in blisters. Oh, yeah, like bad. My feet were bleeding, they were cracked, basically peeling off. <laughs> It was bad. So let's talk through some of these specifics. Like on average, how many miles a day did you walk? If you take an average of the whole walk? Yeah. Okay. So we, I've never actually breaking that down, but if, if, if we take, so uh, 205 days that we walked, right? Yeah. Uh, Or 205, the trip was 205 days long. Of those 205 days, there's probably about 20, 25 days we didn't walk. Okay. For like Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah. His brother got married. Mm-hmm. Um, birthday, um, you know, a few different Relax. things, right? But there was a, yeah. Yeah, there was like a week yeah. straight where we just like took time off in Colorado and yeah. um, Wyoming that we just needed to take a little break. So about 180 walking days. Um, it's 31, 32 is is the mileage. So if you break that down. 3,100 miles. Yeah, divided by 180. I think I think we averaged, like as an aggregate, we averaged like 12 miles a day. Okay. It was something not very much. Yeah. But uh, every day was a little different. So right. I'm going to say 180 days, 17.4. So um, the first 900 or so miles, we walked pretty much together. Mm-hmm. There was like once a week maybe that we would do a relay. So we have the Subaru, right? And then, so we would do this, this like frog leap, continuous kind of relay. It's not a t- conventional relay where it's like, you know, I finish one leg and then I pass the baton to James and he does the next leg. It was this continuous, like, you know, I get dropped off, you know, and I start walking towards the car. James drives up to the middle to like three miles up, parks the car, and then he starts walking east. And so as, as I'm walking to the car, he's walking east. 
I walk to the car, I drive up three miles, and we just would do that. Yeah. Like, it's this sort of unconventional yeah. frog leap kind of relay. So you did that during part of the time that you were on the highway and busy. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's the other real question. Like, where did you sleep? Did you have your oh, life man. on your back? What were you doing? <laughs> yeah, so for the first couple of weeks before Katrina, our support driver, uh, showed up, we had our tents, sleeping bags, everything on our backs, and we would sleep on the side of a road, behind a church, um, sometimes inside of a church, um, in a park, some of the sketchiest places. I remember one time we were in Tracy, <laughs> California, and we found a church that we thought we could sleep, and the pastor comes out and is like, yeah, you guys can't sleep here. Um, there's like people that live behind it, and go across the street, there's like this abandoned home with crackheads, and we're like, you guys can sleep over there. We're like, hell no, we're not sleeping over there. So, so we ended up having, Oh, dude, this this yeah. is this gets nuts. So we're like, it's kind of that is the most stressful part of this walk. We're trying to find a place to sleep. Oh, because, sure. You know, you're walking all day, you're burning so many calories, you're just done. So we had to walk a mile back because we found a community center and we thought, okay, let's just set up our tent here in the back corner. And, and at first glance, it's like, oh, yeah. this, this place looks all right. There's some grass right. over there. It'll be fine. Well, then, then there's some dogs barking coming out. And then there's this dude, this, like, really big dude on a motorized wheelchair mm-hmm. scrolling around or hovering around, you know, the park. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And then this white truck pulls up into the middle of the, um, the park runs into a tree, backs up, and then takes off, and then I smell like skunks. We're just like, let's get out of here. <laughs> so we packed yeah, up our tent and left. Crazy. That, we ended up just was... getting a hotel for the night. Yeah. You know, things come up, yeah. they're out yeah. of our control, and that's a life lesson for all of us, is like when things come up, instead of being frustrated about it, you just go with it, and it all ends up working out. One yeah, being able to, the other. Yeah, being able to just take a breath and be like, all right, I accept this as it is. Like adjusting to like curveballs and like difficult situations, natural disasters it's free it's, it's yeah tough. we're still gonna do it yeah so tell me this like we covered where you're sleeping i guess sort mm-hmm. of kind of <laughs> what were you eating like how did you prep for this <sighs> just go to costco and throw stuff in your bag like tell me about it oh man so a lot of dehydrated meals in the desert just depends like if we were in the city sometimes we'd like try to get some food i think we went to costco one time but yeah it just I guess it depended on where we were. So you get to Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of interesting because we talk about how during this stretch, we're in the middle of the racial unrest, unrest with George Floyd and everything that just happened during last summer. Yeah. We're in the middle of the pandemic, coronavirus, like that's how that's rocked the world. And then to make it the full triple threat, you find yourselves in the middle of some major, major forest fires that you literally have a fire blocking your path in Colorado. Tell me about this. Yeah. Yeah, so we had just made it through Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and we're making our way and we thought this is gonna be the last pretty much mountain range that we'd go through before we get to Wyoming and be just flat. Yeah, you're so excited for the flat Midwest. Yeah, because we could just kind of uh, cruise through this last part. And so we get there and we've been told, I think, that there are some fires spreading from the north, um, I guess, northeast range of the mountains. And we, you could see it. You could, like, you could start smelling the smoke. It was crazy. And so... I thought for a moment, I'll have to kind of just summarize this. I thought for a moment we could just push through it. And so I mm. I went up there and started hiking about seven miles into the mountain. And it was it was an eerie feeling. James had hit his stride at this moment. He's like, 
we're doing this, man. And we're, he was like, he's he, got he the walkers the high. Yeah. Oh yeah, he had yeah. Had so I'm I'm up there and like everything above me is like gray and orange and red, and you usually hear you know birds or like you can see you know um, different animals and there wasn't anything like that up there. They all like left. They fled. They knew they were in danger. They were smarter than you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I thought I could just push through because I'm like, you know, I have another seven miles left to go through this range. And Paul had went up with the support vehicle to kind of scout it out, make sure it was safe. And we get to this point where Paul comes back and he's like, we have to turn around. I'm like, oh, I'm so pissed because I'm like, I just want to push through and get to the other yeah. side, right? Mm-hmm. America. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. So we, we we stop and we turn around and we end up having to add on. It was like 150 miles to our walk. Oh my so gosh. we have to go south and then east. I'd be pissed too. And yep. then north. I was so pissed. It was initially was, like a 2,900 something walk. That was our yeah. initial mileage. Okay. But then to have to go through the Rocky Mountains, like I was initially, I was like, I am not happy about this because I don't want to have to camp up in the Rocky Mountains. I want it like, cause I didn't know if it was going to snow or, you know, I was just tired. I like, I want, I, we had this plan to go stay with this family in Wyoming. I was looking forward to that and we had to just totally change all mm, of that. And right. it just, it kind of threw us off, but there, there was a silver lining behind that because we had some amazing experiences, oh. really huge growth experiences between the both of us too. Yeah. We won't get into that. Part. So tell me about <laughs> this. Like we've talked a lot about the, in kind of the, the logistics, the yeah. food, where you slept, how you did it, how your feet felt. Yeah. Give me more now, like, what's going on inside your head? Like, you're now in the middle of the country. You're starting to get, you get through this challenge. Like, what was unexpected as far as, like, how this affected you? You know, I think there comes a point where uh, we've just got to let go. You know, at, at that moment where the, those fires hit, I mentioned earlier to you, as we were talking before, that, you know, my wallet, my backpack, my jacket, you know, my walking staff that I, I love that walking staff. Like, all of those things got left behind, you know. When you we, lost them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we turned around at this point. It was Route National Forest Fishing Access. I had set them up against the vehicle and forgot. And we got this call, sort of a frantic call from, uh, from a friend telling us, hey, you boys need to turn around. Like, it's not, it's not a joke anymore. It's like, this fire isn't, it's a mile and a half from the highway. So like, it, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Really calling us out. Um, so thank you to Michelle Hall for talking some sense into us. So we, we ended up driving back down to Cowdery in Colorado and heading south and southeast from there. So, I, you know, I had 45 minutes to an hour passed before I realized I'd set the stuff on the side of the road. So when I went back, it was gone. So I think a lot of this, a lot of what we, what we experienced, um, you know, and, and throughout sort of intermittently, I'm still finishing the book, New Earth. But I was reading that book, right? It's just something I was just, I would read a few pages and I would sort of sit and digest. Um, And a lot of it, I think, is just ego, you know, letting go of ego, stuff, you know, phone, wallet, keys, backpack. It's, I mean, obviously it makes life more enjoyable, even a home, you know, and car, like, but it's all just like, we oftentimes, it becomes a part of us and without it, you know, we sort of like, oh, freak, like, what are we going to, but it's like, 
being able to let go of those things. That's like, not your identity. It's not. I mean, our identity is, and oftentimes we're not even living into our true purpose. We're doing things that we hate on a regular basis. But I mean, even even if we're even if we're in that kind of situation, it's po- I believe it's possible to shift to shift within and and just focus on being rather than on doing. And with that, because I, I felt the same way, you know, because I, I had a really hard time not necessarily letting go of things as much as my expectation of how things were supposed to work out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like being in D.C. at a certain time or like there's so, so many examples. But I think I remember back years and years ago, Paul and I did a trip to uh, Yellowstone and we were driving my car. I just got this new car and someone that was in the car with us spilled chocolate on the back seat and I was just so annoyed about that mm. uh, an important lesson that Paul taught me was you know you know don't ever let that type of situation get in the way of a relationship and so you know for me really the, the way that this walk affected me is how important relationships are and uh, you, you know you don't want to let little things get in the way of those relationships yeah I think that's great. It segues really well into what I wanted to ask next. Uh, I, I had the chance, you know, to chat with both of you for a few minutes before we hit record. And I asked you, hey, what stories, are there anything that you like want to make sure comes out in this episode as highlights? And you both then looked at each other and it was so cool for me to see you both just started shouting off names. Oh, well, well, Betsy, and there was that time with Joe, and like I don't remember that the names were. But you just reeled off like 12 names, and what I thought was cool was none of that was, oh, well, there was the time where we were on that road, or this, or in this city. It was all based on people, and it seems to me like that's what you remember most out of this experience Share with me the value of like how slowing this down, putting your phone away, and who you met along the way that changed you. I'll tell you what, man, we, we met so many amazing people like, um, this walk, <clears throat> you know, is a walk for peace, you know, is, and is a walk for acceptance and for kindness. Um, you know, something we've been saying since the beginning, really James led off with it is, is the idea of, of detailing and, and showcasing these, these, these stories where people stopped, random strangers stopped to help other random strangers, like these moments of kindness. Um, you know, Tammy D'Antonio, she put us up in her hotel for 10 nights. We used her <laughs> hotel as a base for free in Groveland, California. Stephen Wannis stopped yeah. in Nevada and literally emptied all of the food they had in their vehicle. They gave yeah. us the cash out of their wallet, mm-hmm. wipes, you know, adult yeah. body wipes. Like <laughs> they gave us the flare gun and a freaking <laughs> a tomahawk. And the like, AC unit to our tent so we could sleep during the daytime. Yeah. Paid so, off Katrina's speeding ticket she had just got through, so through uh, freaking what's Tonopah, yeah. Tonopah, Nevada. Like, I mean, and it just, it just goes on and on. Like we, and the cool thing is James mentioned, I don't, I hope you're okay with me sharing about that vision, like a little sure. split second. So before we ever started the walker, right at the beginning, right? You had uh, an experience where you want to, you want to tell about that? Sure. Um, so first of all, I, I'd have these like impressions or visions. Like I even had a vision of me or a dream of me walking back to DC like years ago. So the reason I was so quick to say yes to this walk was because I was kind of prepared for it. But when we were in San Francisco after we had decided to do this walk, I told Paul that we'd have um, angels from both sides, like here on earth and on you know on the other side, uh, ministering to us. I just had that impression and hmm. we literally had that experience. Totally, like the whole time. 
Yeah. yeah. From the day one until the very last, like the yeah. whole time. And, and can I share, because we have so many stories of amazing people, but I, I feel like I just need to share this incredible experience we had with our friend Jobber, mm. okay, and, and how impactful this was in my life personally, because about a year ago, I was at a concert in Las Vegas. It was one Republic concert with my brother. And at the end of the concert, this guy comes up to me and says, hey, there was this part in the concert when the lead singer, Ryan Tedder, had this interaction with me. Did you record it? And I said, yeah. He's like, could you send it to me? I said, sure. And at that point, we were like kind of rushing to get to our hotel. So I was going to just say like, nah, I didn't. But something told me just like connect with him. So this guy, by the way, he's from Kuwait, um, but he lives in Bloomington, Illinois. And we'd say connected for about a year. And then when we decided to do this walk, turns out that our walk was taking us right by Bloomington. Hmm. So Jobber became one of our very early on Patreon donors. So every month he'd contribute to us. And then he said, when you guys get to Illinois, you guys can use my place as a base. So about a week before we got to Illinois, he called me and said, hey, what do you guys want to eat? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'm just going to go shopping. You can get whatever you want. And I was like, okay. So we show up to this place in Illinois. This was like um, mid-November. And this guy's amazing. He had like a bed set up for us. He had like chocolates on the pillow. He had like slippers and snacks and hygiene kits for us and drinks. And every day he would make our bed and he would do our laundry, fold our laundry. And he just went above and beyond. I mean, it doesn't stop there. We, we um, spent Thanksgiving with him in Chicago. And he made 50 sack lunches for the homeless that we delivered to the homeless in Chicago. He took us out to this really nice restaurant um, just off the river in Chicago. Chicago Steakhouse, yeah. He bought me new shoes. I mean, and I'm only bringing this up because the way that this guy treated us, like, I didn't really know him other than I just met him at this concert. You know, he, he had no expectations from us. Like, he just genuinely wanted to help us because... Yeah. That's just who he is. And to this day, know? he says, hey, if you're ever around, please come by. Like, yeah. and just come visit anytime. He's the, he's the man. And I got to say this, too. I got to throw this in because this is an incredible experience that we had in, um, I, I believe it was Maryland. So we're close to D.C. at this point, And we had run, ran out of money to get a hotel. We are trying to stay indoors oh, yeah. as much as possible because it snowed and it was really cold. And I just had this weird thing throughout the entire walk. We didn't really patronize our friends and family to like donate to us. We'd say, hey, this is how you can donate to us. But we never really did a campaign. We just did this walk out of faith. Like we just knew God would take care of us. People would take care of us. And so I remember just feeling a little anxious about this. We're not really sure what we're going to do to sleep tonight. And I just remember thinking gratitude. I'm just going to express gratitude. And for some reason, Jobber's name came to my mind. And I said, I'm just going to express gratitude for Jobber, and whatever happens will happen. And within an hour, I got a text message from him saying, James, I had a feeling that you were calling my name. I said, really? And I was like, I just was thinking about you, and I was just thinking how grateful I am for you. He's like, do you guys have a place to sleep tonight? I said, no. And he said, well, I've got you guys a hotel in Cumberland, Maryland. And we had no money that night. Yeah. We, so we would have, and it was heck of cold that night. Yeah. It was so, like, frigid 20s or 30s or something because we're that like was, in December now yeah it's in December and you know and that just shows the power of gratitude and, and we had experienced this both Paul and I and, and other people we had manifested so much whether it was good weather throughout the entire walk whether it was people pulling over these things started to happen because like I talked to you about before just expressing gratitude and the power that that has on our environment and I really believe 
um, Jobber was really such an angel to us. Love that man. Yeah. And that that hotel had a gym. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, because you guys needed to go work out. Come on, did you go get on the treadmill? (laughs) Anyway, I think that's so cool. And it's in talking to you. One of the reasons I wanted to make I wanted to have you on the show is you said that. You know, 2020 was such in a lot of ways, all the stories we heard heard, and political talk and the news was so negative, right? And you look out and it's like, man, I mean, I get all these people that message me that listen to the podcast that are like, man, the world's in such a bad place. Like, is the, what's coming next? Like, man, just extreme doomsday. And I think what you said is cool is what you learned is that there's a lot more good out there than bad. Yeah. And you got the chance to see that and give people the opportunity to like give back firsthand. How did that change your perspective of like America and what what we hear? So I think you know we we were talking earlier about this this guy we met, right, who sort of had like a this negative outlook on the way America is and uh, people are like constantly you know yada 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 and we do we had granted we had plenty of experience we were cussed out you know we had people yell at us um, that was not the that was an exception for sure that is mm-hmm. not, that was not the the standard the standard like a standard day for us was actually a standard day for us was we would have no interactions well for me at least. James looked more like a 15-year-old boy walking across the country. <laughs> like, are you okay? <laughs> are you lost, little boy? Well, for me, I look like this burly, like, scruffy. I had this ginormous beard. Yeah. You know, I typically had a knife on one side and, like, a Machete can of bear spray. <laughs> but it was the opportunity for us to see that this country is full of good people, mm-hmm. especially in the Midwest. The Midwest is amazing. Okay. Here's the irony of your story. You do this walk for peace. Yes. You get across the, you know, Cedar Signing Sea. You're now in our nation's capital. And you're feeling, I imagine you're feeling pretty accomplished and inspired at this moment. Like, we're here. We made it. Right? Mm-hmm. We just met with some UVU kids. Yeah. Uh, the Taylor and, no, not Taylor. Uh, Cameron. Cameron. And... Ooh, I'm blanking on his name. Redhead Andre mm-hmm. and Ryan. A uh, bunch of UVU alumni met us okay. to walk into D.C. with us. It was cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, so you were for Forrest Gump there. You had people joining with yeah. you on the yeah. walk. Oh, yeah. You get to D.C. And first off, just tell me what was the feeling like when you're like, we're finally here. So exciting. Well, I think it was... Okay, so I was pretty excited, right? Because I had served my uh, my mission there uh, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, I'd been there before, so it wasn't anything super new. But I'm sure for Paul it was a little bit different because it was first, Paul's first time going to D.C. But I was, like, just relieved, honestly. I was just like, yeah. oh, thank goodness we're here. So you get to D.C., and for those of you, uh, we've already talked about this, but you guys show up in the middle of Trump's rally, mm-hmm. yeah. the day that the election is supposed to be, you know, made official, mm-hmm. and the... Capital protests, riots, insurgents, whatever you want to call it, domestic terrorism. There have been a lot of names put to it. Tell me your experience there. So January sixth, uh, we so the fifth we stayed with a friend Brandon Hoffman. We had just met his brother Curtis. So Curtis found us from some Utah interviews we did, um, with like Fox thirteen or one of mm-hmm. those, 
and fought like Utah as far as taking care of us Utah took care of us the most people in Utah giving us stuff sending us money um, putting us on like media and like interviews like Utah hooked us up so um, so Curtis had found us right so he hooked us up with his brother's place we we drive in with his brother that morning Uh, his brother works in the city shout out Brandon you're awesome thank you man (laughs) Um, so he drove us in we walk in 7 a.m. right and uh, Brandon takes like pictures of different protests and he like you know sort of he has he's an awesome photographer so he's like taking some pictures and one thing I'm I'm noticing is like I'm seeing Brandon take pictures he's the only person I saw from that point until pretty much the end of like by the time we left any like kind of media I didn't see any cameras I didn't see any video I didn't see any like news reporters like and there's there's tens of thousands of people there and we're walking all around um so that's one thing I mean it's a it's an electrical feeling I mean Mm -hmm. tens of thousands of people not a lot of porta potties like (laughs) they did not prepare well for that many people you know and it's just a very nervous but very excited group of people you know and and I just want to say this was a peaceful it was a peaceful interaction. Yeah. Like the rally was peaceful. And there are people there from all backgrounds, you know, black, white, Latino, Asian. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's a lot of people that were there at, in D.C. because they were concerned about this election, rightfully so. They're, they're, in my opinion, there are a lot of sketchy things going on. But something I noticed early in the morning when I got to the Capitol was, why is there such a lack of security at the Capitol building? It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. You know, they, they should have known beforehand that there are going to be a lot of people there, most likely protesting at the Capitol, like, what's going on? So that was that was something that was a little bit off to me. I wasn't sure, you know, what what really is the intention of, um, you know, Capitol Security, Capitol Police, but that was my perspective. So you watched the speech, you're there, and mm-hmm. then were you at the Capitol, or what did you hear? We happen? were about to. Paul suggested it, then I said... We need to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Well, because the, the thing is, Trump was supposed to speak at 11. We got yeah. there at 7. So there was Rudy Giuliani spoke. Trump's son spoke. Uh, another lawyer that's working on the case spoke. Representative um, Hawthorne, or is that new representative from North Carolina? Mm, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of different people that spoke. So, you know, it was past noon by the time he actually spoke. And we had a dinner appointment at 5 with Mac Haddow, which that was awesome, by yeah. the way. Um, so by the time Trump got done speaking, he spoke for over an hour. By the time he got done speaking, it was like already close to one thirty. Yeah. Two. And so I was like, dude, let's just let's just march with them for a little bit, you know. And it wasn't the intent was not like let's do this violent march. No, it was like like march peacefully to the Capitol to yeah. like question the results of the certification for sure for president. That was it. It was supposed to be peaceful. And honestly, from from a lot of people I spoke with, because we met several people there. Like, you're not hearing about this, but there was, like, they were singing the national anthem. They were sing- on the Capitol steps. They were th- singing, um, you know, God Bless America. And it was like a kumbaya kind of America moment. Yeah. You know, there, you know, for the people that had marched to the steps of the Capitol. Um, mm-hmm. I did hear one of my one of my friends, a contact I have that I, that I met there, um, he did say, you know, there was someone in front of him that said, you know, and he was wearing a Trump hat and a Trump shirt. He's like... Let's go make these guys look bad. So we heard someone say that. Um, you know, another friend of ours said, you know, that we met Matthew, Captain mm-hmm. Matthew. He um, he said today was a peaceful protest. That 
you know, a few uh, unpeaceful people got involved in and like infiltrated and, you know, did everything they could to make this look like it was, a, yeah. you know, this terrorist kind of Trump rally, which it wasn't. It was a peaceful Trump rally infiltrated by people, I, I believe, on the far left and far right. Yeah. You know, trying to make Trump supporters look like terrorists. A little bit of both. And that's kind of how I felt about the beginning of the protest, which is really the reason we started doing this walk in the first place, was whether we believe in the Black Lives Matter movement or not, um, I believe there are a lot of good-intentioned people that were part of that protest in the beginning of the summer, um, but it was infiltrated by, who I don't care who you call them, Antifa, whatever, some really just bad people, right, that yeah. are making this movement that I believe could have been positive into bad experience right and this happened dozens of times right with you know all throughout the nation with you know peaceful protests that are getting infiltrated and then all of a sudden become violent towards the end of the night like this is what we're hearing is happening all throughout the country it's it's all about polarizing you know this podcast millennial in the middle it's like you know why do we have to take necessarily a side um a political side we can take a, a moral or value um based side but yeah it's not it's not about that it's not about taking like right or left yeah did that, like, I think a lot of people when it comes to politics in our country right now are jaded, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And so how did that affect you? Of, I mean, you guys have been on the road for six months having these great experiences and learning a lot, looking inward. And, you know, you've used the word like other people served as angels to you and being, you know, like those miracles that took place and that happened. Did that, like, confirm the jadedness to see that and then also be in the middle of the contention? Or what was your takeaway from that? Are you like, are we all right? You know, I I think we're still right in the middle of it, you know. Yeah. And there, there's a lot we can do and there's a lot we can't do. Like, a lot of this is out of our control, but there is still... We still have an opportunity to, I, I believe, to rise up as mm-hmm. as Americans. It's our duty, right? It's it's our constitutional duty to hold our elected officials, represent, you know, uh, accountable. It's it says it very frankly in the Declaration of Independence. We the people in the Constitution. It begins with we the people, right? Not we the government. Mm-hmm. And so, part of it is 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 sort of just taking accountability as individuals like what is our individual responsibility like what is something you you know as an american and me as an american and us as americans what what is our place to do like whether it's running for office whether it's i'm just going to vote or whether it's i'm going to pay attention to what my uh, elected officials are voting on and ask them to vote differently or i'm going to get involved in you know um going to the Capitol and um, becoming a lobbyist or whatever it is like we all have a place in this in this American political process um, and I think that's one thing that so many of us who are intelligent and who are concerned and who do value America tend to become apathetic like there's nothing I can do it's like there it's just gonna happen the way it's gonna happen <laughs> but like really I think part of it just goes back to aligning with purpose like what is our purpose if we really truly value freedom and we value liberty, it's important for us to just recognize, all right, some of these things are sort of under attack. You know, seeing curfews imposed yeah. at 10 p.m. in Ohio and New York and California, like, mm-hmm. all right, our freedom and liberty as Americans, as we know it, our constitutional liberties, our, our Bill of Rights, these things are under attack. Mm-hmm. And so like, all right, what, what side of the, the struggle for freedom will I be on? 
You know, I think it's a good is a good question to ask, and not in the way of like getting involved in rioting because rioting is illegal. Honestly, it's like and it's immoral, I believe. But getting involved in peaceful, nonviolent protest is huge. Civil I mean, that's disobedience. What Martin, civil disobedience. You know, Henry David Thoreau, Martin Luther sure. King was a proponent of civil disobedience mm-hmm. and nonviolent, peaceful protest. Gandhi. You know, I think that's something all of us can sort of. Take take part. And this this walk, frankly, was a is a not was a nonviolent peaceful protest. Yeah. So that's taking a stand, yeah. Yeah. just like you said, Paul. You know, I, for instance, with the fire in Colorado, I was so far removed from doing anything about that fire. What am I going to do? Stop what I'm doing? Go fight with the firefighters? I suppose I could do that, but ultimately, some of it was a, so much of it was out of my control. So yeah, a big part of it. And Paul would emphasize this over and over and over again. What can I personally have influence over? And that is, first of all, first and foremost, is my thinking. How do I think about things? You know, do I have to be polarized about a certain politician? No, I can be indifferent, but I can still have an opinion. But I don't have to let that opinion move me so far to an extreme where I get frustrated and angry and start acting out in a way that's not um, lawful or even just, right? So, yeah, this goes back to, like, focus on what I can personally control and influence and, you know, just kind of let God take care of the rest. You know, as I break a lot of this down, I think a lot of what you just said, right, there's really a goal of this podcast that it's easy to look at what's going on in the world and say, ah, there's nothing I can do about it and write it off as a lost cause or feel that you don't can't have an impact. But just yourself feeling at peace Just you being inside your own head feeling like you're not causing contention and that you are educating and informing yourself and that you're involved in a way that you can be, I think makes all of us feel a lot more empowered. I want to end with this question. I think that was great advice that you just gave to a lot of the listeners here from a cool experience. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on you've just finished this journey, right? And Congratulations. Like, that's awesome. Well done. What an accomplishment and achievement that you will look back and remember your rest, the rest of your life and be able to talk to people about. Like, it's something that you'll be able to always say, I've done this and here's what I've learned. I'm curious. You know, it's fresh right now. How do you think you'll look back at this experience in 20 years? Oof. That's a great question. 20 years. Wow. I've got, I've got something off the tip, but I, do you have... Again, I, I feel like gratitude. I feel grateful that I made that decision. Um, you know, although I was doing it for a lot of different reasons, and I used those reasons to motivate me in times of struggle, ultimately, like, one of the drivers for me was I need to do this for myself because I need to uh, not necessarily prove to myself, but show myself that I can commit to really hard things, follow through, you know, and... Um, that was a huge confidence builder, being able to, because, you know, I've had experiences in the past where, you know, something would get really hard. Maybe it was a relationship or a job, and I just quit. I'm like, you know, it just wasn't for me. And I could have been that way so many times throughout this walk. But I knew I needed to finish. I knew that this was setting a standard. I knew that when I ultimately have a family and children, I don't want to leave a door open for my kids to quit something that's hard for them. Yeah. When it's December in Maryland. December in Maryland. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, you know, really just there's so many lessons that could be learned from this. And I would say, if anything, I learned the value of developing relationships. 
good relationships. I, I, I really focused that on that throughout the last 10 years of my life and it, it's paid off in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that, you know, I have those relationships. Yeah. Great answer. Paul, same question. Yeah, man, that's a good question. You know, something I was thinking about on the drive over is as a young man and even in my early twenties and even just before this walk, you know, I used to sort of look to this idea of enlightenment, you know, they talk about in Buddhism, enlightenment, or, you know, having this, this way um, of being that is like almost ungraspable, like this esoteric idea, you know, that's only for the, uh, this select few. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me, and I'm not, I'm not at all like admitting or trying to say that I'm an enlightened person, but I believe enlightenment and finding peace, finding inner peace is something that's possible for each of us. And it's just about developing the routine and developing the daily practice that allows for us to tap into the enlightened being that we are. We, each of us are, are enlightened beings as we are. I think, therefore, I am. You know, we are, all of us, divine. We have it within us. God is within each of us. Divinity, you know, it's, it's, it's all within us. So I think learning to tap into that, learning to harness that, and learning to, I think a big part of it, honestly, 100%, is setting aside all of the distractions, setting aside even the music, setting aside the music, the phone, setting aside the device, setting aside, you know, friends and family for a time and really just getting okay with being alone and being okay with like being silent, having silence, taking some time to meditate and doing walking meditation, like you mentioned earlier, is I think one of the most powerful forms of meditation. And I, but I all like I, at the same time, I have a hard time sitting still alone. So that's, I think the next, maybe next challenge, yeah. maybe I go live in a Buddhist monastery or something like that. I've got a guest coming up that you can talk to. I got a guest yes. here in a little bit that did the uh, 10 day no talking oh, challenge. Oh, the Savasana. Yes. That, that would be is? awful for me. You want anyway. Jesse Itzler? Yes. And uh, several people talk about that. You got it. Guys, I'm going to wrap this up. I really enjoyed awesome. this conversation. Again, congratulations. I hope that you continue to share this story. I hope that you continue to share the perspective that is gained from that. And I hope that people, you know, not just, oh, man, that, that's crazy. They did something crazy. But like, okay, yeah, you did something some might call crazy. I'm still going to call it crazy, boys. <laughs> but what did you learn from that? And I think it's pretty awesome to see uh, your perspective through that experience and what you can now take to everyone else. So thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time. Clowns to the left me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. And that was a trio. All right. We'll see you next time, guys. Have a good one. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle.